Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Meet your Maker. Return to Eden to find our Creator, our Designer who has stamped us with His very image and has put his very heart and soul into his masterpiece of creation, us, humanity. Our Maker has intimately formed us with his very touch and his breath. And God wants to be in our life. The Creator is not distant. Oh, he's more closer than you realize. And he even wants to be our spiritual Father, I was thinking of Psalm 27, verse 10. It says, Though my father and my mother have forsaken me, the Lord will take me up. He will be our spiritual parents. It is creation. It is God's final masterpiece, his crown of creation, creating Adam and Eve, man and woman, to finish it up, if you will. Witness the Creator, Lord God, or the Hebrew name Yahweh. Shall we read it? Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their host. By the seventh day God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Yes, God created all things, in six days, and on the seventh day he rests from his work week, and he completes the week with the perfect number seven, God's number, the number seven days to a week, seven uh, colors to the rainbow, seven notes to the major musical scale, uh, seven candles on the menorah, and we see God's number seven everywhere, the seven spirits of God. It is his perfect holy number, even revealed in creation. Verse 3, Then God blessed the seventh day, and sanctified it. He set it apart. He made it special. He made it holy. It is a time to commemorate and to remember all of his creation, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Yes, God is the creator. You're not an accident. It's not an explosion. It's not evolution over billions of years. It is intelligent design, and the designer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now we have this phrase, Lord God, the Lord God, and the word Lord in your translation is all caps, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is to connotate the personal name of God, Yahweh, as far as we know. We're guessing in its pronunciation, of course, you know, because some the uh, 
vowels are taken out and we only have the Hebrew consonants. But we guess the name Yahweh. God is close. It is his personal name. He does want to be close to you, his creation. Verse 5. Now, no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. Now, in our Genesis 1 account, we were going day by day. We've now finished the seventh day. We are relooking at the account and focusing on part of creation, on the most important part, you and me, the creation of humanity. And it's interesting how it talks about rain being absent. I think rain doesn't come about until Noah's flood. We find out about the mist that would uh, water the ground, verse 6. But a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Many believe a powerful canopy of moisture surrounded the earth, uh, an intense atmosphere of liquid. And through this canopy, it uh, filtered out UV rays and it slowed down the aging process, if you will, because it appears after the flood when this powerful moisture rains upon the earth that now we have a huge drop in lifespan and the animals and humanity die at a much shorter lifespan. Age limits drastically change after the flood. I am so glad that God has added his personal name in this chapter, Yahweh, because he wants you to know his name. He knows yours. Do you know his? Yahweh, I am that I am, the becoming one, as revealed to our author Moses, right? At the burning bush, if you remember the account. Encounter your creator, verse 7. Then the Lord God, or again Yahweh, formed man of dust from the ground. Yes, the same chemicals, the same elements that make up the ground, the dirt, the mud, are in you. It's not coincidence. You were created from the dust of the ground. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, I'm afraid because of sin, if you know the curse, we will return to the ground. When we dig up your coffin, when we go into your grave, we will find dust yet again. I'm afraid when you're dusting your house, the dust that you're wiping off the furniture is you. It is your skin as it becomes dead skin, it becomes dust yet again, and so you are wiping your own self off the furniture. Yes, we were made from dust, from the mud, from the clay, but we're more than dirt because God does something special with humanity. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. God is intimate with the humans, right? He speaks creation into existence. But when he comes to the man, he gets his hands dirty and he forms the dust 
the the clay, he forms it, he molds it, he squeezes it, and God gets so intimate with the first human that he actually breathes his own breath into the nose of Adam. Jesus' resurrection breath gives the Spirit. I was thinking of after Jesus had raised himself from the dead, he comes to the disciples and he breathes on them, right? What is this, John 20, verse 22? He, Jesus, breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like a deja vu back to Adam when I believe Jesus breathed into the clay man, the mud man, the, the red man, right? Reddish Adam. He breathed into Adam his very life-giving breath. And now, later, after Jesus raises from the dead, he breathes into the Christians the Holy Spirit who lives as a pledge and a promise inside the heart of every believer. It is a divine mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, right? Where the lifeguard runs out into the water and he brings back the lifeless body and he puts his mouth on the mouth of the victim and he breathes life-giving breath right into the body of the lifeless, yes? And God, maybe Jesus himself, is breathing with his mouth on the nose of the clay man, of the Plato Adam, if you will, and in comes the very life-giving breath of God himself, a mouth-to-nose resuscitation of eternal spirit and human life. And Adam, man becomes an eternal living soul. We have part of God inside of us that makes us eternal, that our spirit, our soul lives on even after our body is dead. Yes, God has been working on the human personally, and God's fingerprints are all over him as he squeezes him and marks him and molds him as a masterpiece. God is our master molder, our master painter, our master sculptor, and yes, our master potter as we are made of clay. I was thinking of Isaiah 64, 8, which says, We are the clay, and you are potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. Verse 8, The Lord God, again Yahweh, planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. God is putting together his little pet home. Have you ever done that where you get your little box for your puppies and your cats and your new your new pets you've brought in home and you set up their food and their water and their little bed and their toys and you put your little pet inside the new home you've made for him and you look at how he's going to react. Well, I believe Eden is the most beautiful home for man to live, and God has put it all together, and he places man in the most beautiful garden of Eden. Verse 9. 
Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So many trees in God's beautiful arboretum, a garden of fruit where you just reach up and you pull your meal down from the leaves of the trees. It is truly paradise. Two important trees. I think of the three trees that span the scripture. Two of them are here. The Genesis tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the middle of the Bible, in the Gospels, we have the Gospels Calvary tree, the red tree, if you will, where Jesus bled on the cross on a tree for the sins of all mankind. And he was cursed for us, right? Cursed is he who hangs upon a tree. And of course, Revelation's tree of life, which was in Eden, and it shows up way at the very end of the book. In the end of Revelation, the tree of life appears in heaven. And so three trees span the entire scriptures. I think of the old hymn, He grew the tree that he knew would be used to make the old rugged cross. God is the creator of all trees, even the tree that became Calvary's tree, even the tree that he knew his own son would die for the sins of the world. Verse 10, Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole valley of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The Dubelum and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. God is giving us a roadmap, if you will, to identify the general area of Eden. And two of these rivers I recognize, the famous Tigris and Euphrates River, which trace Eden back to the land of Iraq. It is the old fertile crescent considered to be the cradle of civilization back in the Middle East. Verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Yes, we were created with purpose to cultivate, to keep it, to create, to make beautiful gardens and homes, and to make this world into a beautiful place. No, we're not to trash the planet Earth. We take care of it. We, uh, we protect it. We protect the animals. And we were created with purpose and meaning. We're not vicious savages. We're not to destroy and to tear up. We're not animals. We're creation. We're the keepers. We're the protectors. We take care of the plants and the animals and this beautiful world that God has given us.
It's the old song, Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. It is created for me and you, but it's not complete without the creator. He makes it truly beautiful. 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Or in the Hebrew, dying you shall die. You shall begin the dying process. You will bring sin and you will bring death through your disobedience. Adam is warned by God. Adam alone is given the command by God. Can I point out to you that God is speaking to the man. God is speaking to Adam. Eve has not been created yet. Eve has not been given the command. Adam is given the command. And it is Adam who will be responsible. It is Adam who will bring sin into the world. I was thinking of the scripture, Romans 5.12, and it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Can I point out, sin does not come from Eve, the sin comes from Adam, because he alone is given the command, he is given the responsibility, and I blame Adam when he disobeys God. Because of Adam's sin, we are all dying. The human mortality rate is 100%. You will not cheat death unless by way of rapture, unless Jesus comes soon and raptures us out of this place. Let God make your spouse. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. A perfect match. A marriage made in heaven. This idea of suitable means corresponding. Opposites attract. What, are this, what do they say? Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. We are not alike. We are completely different physically, mentally, emotionally, and I believe, yes, spiritually. God has made men different than women, and being opposites are good. Being different is great because we complement and we meet the needs of each other, and what is lacking in one sex is fulfilled in the other. This is God's perfect plan. This is God's perfect design. Humans are creatures that are social. Humans are social creatures. And no man is an island. 
I was just thinking about our sheep at the ranch, you know, and we just got some sheep. And sheep are very social. And you want to see an unhappy sheep? Separate him from the flock and keep him all alone. He will be so sad and so depressed. They are flock animals. They're social creatures. And they need to be with each other. And they travel and they walk and they eat and they sleep with each other. And by being in the herd, they feel safe. And they are secure. And when you become a Christian, yes, you are God's sheep. He doesn't want you to be isolated without a a, a mate, without a spouse, without a boyfriend, a girlfriend, without friends, and yes, even without a church. Come back to church. Verse 19. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Do you ever do that with your little boy or little girl? You get one of those animal books, and you read the animal books, and you teach them the names of the animals. Well, guess who gave the first names? This is God sitting down with Adam, and he's just having a great old time to see what name Adam would give the animals. So the big, huge first one, he's like, that's a hippopotamus. Oh, and that trunk, he must be an elephant. And oh, that weird one, he's a platypus. Oh, and that aardvark, right? You ever do the different animals with your kids, and you have them make the animal noises, right? Uh, And so Adam is so excited. He's playing with the animals. He's naming the animals. They are his pets. But can I tell you, animals are not people. I love my pets, but animals can never replace humans. Verse 20. The man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field, But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. Right? It's not good for us to be alone. We need a mate. We need a spouse. We need a love. We need a best friend. What a blessing to be able to marry your best friend. Wait for God's best. Don't compromise. Hold out. Seek the Lord and ask God to bring you a mate just like he did for Adam. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. God is doing a surgery, a divine cloning And God is taking from Adam's blueprints, from one bone, the chemicals, the molecules, the DNA that can make another human, from one to the other, from the male to the female. And God puts Adam to sleep. A divine anesthesiology, right? He's putting him to sleep. And a divine surgery, and God's doing surgery 
on the side of Adam and he opens him up and then he seals him back and he wakes him back. Go figure, how could ancient man even know about putting people to sleep for surgery? The Bible is thousands of years old and God knows what he's doing. He made you. He can fix you. He can do surgery on you. He can clone you. And he can make for you the perfect mate. Not a mate that you have made, right? Have you done that before? You tried to force it and make it and you walked down that aisle and and you chose the wrong one and they weren't a Christian. It was the bad boy, the bad girl. And the marriage blows up and it ends in divorce. But guess what? God gives you a second chance. And this time, let God make your mate. Let God make your marriage, a marriage made in heaven. Let him choose your mate and let him bring that mate to you. Verse 22. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Do you see it? It's like a divine wedding. And the person who's giving away the bride is not her dad because she has no father, right? But she has a spiritual father. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775 746 4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.